one. I think what I'm seeing is, or what I'm feeling at least, and this is just from my perspective as somebody in the queer community, I'm seeing more and more people out and more and more people just living their lives as if it's normal to be out, which, which it is, is beautiful, which is, be- and it's beautiful. And there's an increase in queer joy and that is causing people outside of the community, closed-minded people outside of the community fear. And that's what's leading to the legislation. And that's what's leading to people blowing up cans of Bud Light because they're realizing that this is becoming normal. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm your new host, Curtis Rouses III. June is Pride Month, a time when we not only celebrate the LGBTQ community, but also dig deeper into the challenges they face. While we revel in the strides taken towards normalizing queer experiences, especially in places like New York City, we're also faced with a bitter reality. As we speak, the LGBTQ community finds itself at a juncture where legislation, instead of protecting, threatens to curb free speech, undermine healthcare, and increase vulnerability. Today, we're sharing a conversation between Sayu Bojwani and her teenager about being non binary, pride, feeling safe while traveling, and much more. Born in India and raised in Belize, Sayu is a proud New Yorker who served as the city's first commissioner of immigrant affairs. For over three decades, Sayu has activated change in nonprofit and government settings, founding three organizations, speaking across the globe, and writing on how immigrants and women of color can shape the world we want to see. This conversation originally appeared in Sayu's newsletter, Number One Immigrant Daughter. Hi, Yavna. I'm so happy that you and I are having another chance to have a conversation during Pride Month. I thought we would start by talking about what has changed in the last year in terms of issues facing the LGBTQ community. Well, I think we've seen a couple of things. Um, One, I feel like queerness um, and queer joy has become more normalized across, across our country. I'm hearing a lot lot fewer number of conversations um, about queerness um, in the spaces that I'm in. I'm also seeing kind of queer gatherings dwindle a little bit. I feel like there hasn't been as much around Pride Month this year. And I think that's because we are moving towards complete acceptance and moving towards normalcy in many of our progressive spaces. But what's giving me a lot of pause right now is that purely talking about legislation, we're at a very dangerous point for the queer community. Many of these laws target free speech, being able to educate about the queer community. Many of these laws target healthcare for the queer community, life-saving healthcare, life-affirming healthcare. Um, Then we're talking about identification that will reduce the number of hate crimes against trans people in particular. And so we're seeing a lot of that on the legislative side. We're seeing a lot of dangerous things being brought up and human rights being discussed kind of as as if they're a choice. But something I've also been seeing is in response to that normalizing that's also happening in progressive communities, a lot of fear, a lot of true homophobia and transphobia. Um, Because I think while all of this legislation is happening at the state level out of fear, I think people are starting to realize that this is becoming normalized. We're seeing pretty much every year, every time we get new data, that the number of queer folks in our society is rising because people are feeling more and more comfortable. And that's causing a lot of people, from my perspective, what I 
feel it is is fear. So I'm sorry, I don't not to interrupt, but I'm curious about how like I'm not understanding. Like on the one hand, you're saying that there is a willingness to be open about being queer, but on the other hand, there is greater fear. Or are you suggesting that perhaps the more open and public queer people are, the more likely it is that legislation will increase. I think it's the second one. I think what I'm seeing is, or what I'm feeling at least, and this is just from my perspective as somebody in the queer community, I'm seeing more and more people out and more and more people just living their lives as if it's normal to be out, which, which it is, is beautiful, which is, and it's beautiful. And there's an increase in queer joy and that is causing people outside of the community closed-minded people outside of the community fear. And that's what's leading to the legislation. And that's what's leading to people blowing up cans of Bud Light because they're realizing that this is becoming normal. So I want to talk about something that's coming up, which is uh, the trip that you and I are taking to India. And I know uh, one thing that I have become more conscious of since uh, you have been identifying as non-binary is your feelings as we travel internationally about how queer communities are treated in the countries that we're traveling to. And I'm curious about what you've been thinking about as we, as we plan our trip to India or as we get ready for our trip to India. We're deeply, deeply in the middle of getting ready for our <laughs> trip to India with boxes and suitcases everywhere. And, and I know that we haven't had a chance to talk about it. So I'm really curious as we're getting ready for this trip, what's on your mind? I have the privilege of, of being comfortable enough in my own skin that I haven't done hormones. I haven't had surgery. I haven't had any, aside from really my hair and my gender expression, I in many ways can pass as a female. And so I think also having, as somebody who's been out for five, uh, this is my sixth year being out, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with my gender. It's something that the more I've identified as it, as much as it influences my day-to-day life, obviously it's not something that I feel the need to consider frequently. And so I think the decision for me when I'm going to a country is how am I going to show up in a way that, yes, makes me feel comfortable, but also allows me to be in the place and not worried about my physical safety. And And, that is a privilege because not everyone has that. Incredibly. For me, it's very much a privilege. And it's a privilege that I feel comfortable saying and what I've said to myself, and which is a big consideration when packing, is that, I feel comfortable for these nine days that we're going to be away being identified and showing up as a female who has short hair. And yes, I wear boys' kurtas, and yes, I wear a couple of other things, and I present a little bit more as androgynous, and and I don't really know how I'm going to be perceived, but for my peace of mind and my safety, I'm approaching this as somebody who is going to show up as a female with short hair. And that's a privilege that I have, one, to feel safe while doing that, two, to feel secure with my own identity while doing that. And Um, can I just say, though, um, as your mom, how I really wish that that was not a struggle that you had to have every day and in the case of travel for an extended period of time. Like, it's it's a choice uh, and it's a privilege, but I... But it makes me sad that you have to make that choice. Yeah. Um, But I have a lot of privilege in that I 
can feel supported in whichever choice I make. And, and it is, right, my own living inside of a bubble and feeling like I'll be safe wherever I go with the people that I'll be surrounded with. But I, I do feel like it is a choice for me. Um, and, that, and that's really special. And it's not something that everybody in my position or, my, or who shares my identifiers has the opportunity to choose. Thank you for being so honest about that. You know, when you talked about this, uh, one of the privileges you have is the a supportive bubble, which I'm happy to be part of. And I wonder if you could, if we could close by sharing uh, some thoughts on how others, including me, who are close to people who are non-binary and particularly queer people of color, what are ways that we need to show up in order to be more supportive? Yeah, I think for allies right now in this moment, that is so incredibly overwhelming to look at the news and see your community, whether it's in your state or not. Like, there is part of this pain that's like, yes, I am secure here in New York and I feel safe here in New York. And again, in my bubble. But if I was in Florida right now, would I feel the same way? And pain for those who are both out and navigating their world in Florida and also who are not able to be out. And and I'm using Florida as an example because it's a headline we've seen frequently. And it's overwhelming and it's impossible really for any of us to individually hold that weight, even of just the news things. And so I think for allies, it's important to hold space and to Normally I say, ask questions, listen to the answers and don't be afraid to ask questions. And I think that's important, but I think right now, especially when we're talking about the news, I've seen a number of queer people kind of pull away from the news because it's too much right now. Um, And so I think continue to ask questions, maybe about identifiers, about things, but also make sure you're holding space because it is an overwhelming time Um, for everybody and for all people of color and for all queer people. Thank you. Can I give you a hug now? Sure. It's important to remember that Pride Month isn't just about celebration. It's about raising awareness and amplifying voices. As we've heard today, the fight for equality, understanding, and acceptance is far from over. For more conversations and perspectives like this, sign up for Sayu's newsletter, Number One Immigrant Daughter. You can also find more of her work at sayubojwani.com. We've linked to both sites in our show notes. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Caravica. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to in our podcast description.